Our speaker for the hour is Dan Owen. Dan somewhat defies description. <laughs> Dan has been married to his wife Cindy for 48 years and she has many stars in her crown. Uh, 50 years now? They have three children and seven grandchildren. He has been a teacher here in the Bible Institute in the undergraduate program and in the master's program for a number of years. Our students enjoy his classes very much. He serves as the teaching minister for the Broadway Church of Christ in Paducah, Kentucky, where he served as the preacher for how long, Dan? 35 years. I want to say... It's interesting to me, Dan barely knows how to turn on his computer, but he knows how to use technology to reach the world. He is involved in a couple of online video blogs. One is Conversations with Dan. The other one is Passage Attack that are excellent, and, and you need to find those online uh, and listen to those. He does great teaching online uh, through those mediums. He's written a number of books. He's a tremendous scholar. He's a personal friend and mentor, and you will be blessed at what he has to say this morning. So, Dan, come preach a word to us. Well, that was nicer than what Denny would have done. <clears throat> yeah. Um, your video will begin in 30 seconds. At the back, back there, there are some little thumb drives. Those thumb drives have 19 audio tracks on them, including an introduction to the book of Psalms and 19 interpretive readings of Psalms. Then they have a Word document that is 26 lessons for classes on the book of Psalms. Now your video begins. Okay, <clears throat> Enoch walked with God, Genesis 5.24. I've been trying to walk with God since I was a kid. Noah was a righteous man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. I don't know when Noah started walking with God. I started with God very young in Casper, Wyoming. My dad baptized me. Any of y'all remember George? But I've been trying to walk with God ever since. It's been a long road. Some of it's been good. Some of it's been bad. There's been joys. There's been sorrows. There's been heartaches. There's been tears. There's been many souls encountered. But it's a long road from Egypt to Canaan. To Canaan's land, I'm on my way. But it's a long road. And it's often a road that goes over mountains and through deserts. And Moses said... Their pride is but labor and sorrow. It's soon gone and we fly away. But on this journey from Egypt to Canaan, to that rest that we're all looking for, I've gotten to hold God's hand. And I've been through gut-wrenching things in my life. I'm not going to stand here and tell you about all of them. But holding God's hand through those things makes all the difference. And I can't imagine somebody going from Egypt to Canaan with all that you have to go through and not having God's hand to hold. And I can't imagine another book of the Bible that supports me in my life emotionally and spiritually like the book of Psalms does. 
The book of Psalms is God's songbook. And uh, uh, that songbook, I forgot my clicker up here, guys. But that, uh, that, have you got a clicker, Brother Mike? That's okay. You can click it for me. Go to that next slide. That songbook is a songbook made up of spiritual travelers like you and me. And those spiritual travelers had all the ups and downs like you and I have, see. But they weren't just songs written by people like the songbook they've got here, the songbook you have wherever you come from. These were spirit-inspired songs that have mixed within them a couple of things that you can't find almost anywhere else. You know, in 2 Samuel 23, 2, it's talking about David, and it talks about the sweet psalmist of Israel. And David says, the spirit of the Lord spoke by me, and his word was on my tongue. Peter was preaching in Acts 2 about the 16th Psalm. You will not leave my soul in Hades, neither will you allow your Holy One to suffer corruption. You know? And then Peter says of David, being therefore a prophet and having sworn with an oath, God having sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins he would set one upon his throne, he, David, foreseeing this, spake of the resurrection of the Christ that neither was his soul left in Hades nor did his flesh see corruption. And the apostles were praying in Acts chapter 4 after being beaten and warned not to speak again and they were sort of in desperate measures and, and in their praying they quoted the second psalm, Acts 4.25. Well spake the Holy Spirit saying, why do the nations rage and the peoples imagine a vain thing? Psalm 2, see? The psalms were at the heart of people's minds who walked with God in Judaism and the early Christians. In fact, the Psalms are the most quoted book in the New Testament. You check me out on that. I think that's right. These Psalms were written by prophets of God from Moses in the 90th Psalm. They were divinely inspired to Asaph the seer or Asaph who was appointed to the ministry of prophesying in the temples, 1 Chronicles 25.1. Thank you, Michael. You're nice, and it's even turned on for me. Okay, so Asaph the seer, you know, prophets. All of those guys that wrote the Psalms were prophets of God. They're inspired by God, and the cool thing about them is that not only do the Psalms tell you all kinds of things about our God, but they tell you about the emotions of people who were flesh and blood, skin and bone like you and I are, who were going through all the same things that we are, ups and downs, pride and sorrows, worry that drives us out of our mind, and those people's emotions are in the same places as God's reactions, see? So they describe for us the human struggle all the way through, and their words can be our words. In fact, Hezekiah in 2 Chronicles 29, about 30 or 31, he says, let's use the words of David and the words of Asaph the seer. See, we can use their words when we can't even express our grief or our joy or whatever. And their words exactly portray the emotions we're feeling deep inside of us. How amazing is that? It's a songbook. And that's what songs are supposed to do. It's filled with different kinds of psalms. And uh, it has divine wisdom for us. 
And it also has human emotions. There's wisdom psalms. We're going to talk about those. There's praise psalms. We're going to talk about those. Somebody else is going to talk about imprecatory songs where all that anger comes boiling out. There's repentance psalms. The psalms are fearless expressions of human emotions. People who thought they could talk to God about anything and even their, their ugly feelings, they could just pour them out before God. And they're also divine instruction and divine reaction to those people. I mean, they're awesome. They help me live. That's why I love the book of Psalms. They help me live. They help me survive. So let's talk first about the wisdom Psalms. The older I get, and fatter and uglier, if that's possible, I don't have any answers. People want answers. They come to me. I don't have any. I'm at a loss. All I've got that I trust in every single day is the basic fundamental wisdom that God gives me. And you find that in the wisdom Psalms. I need advice. I don't have any, but I need it. I need help. And I can't give it out of my wisdom, but I can give it from God's wisdom. And the book of Colossians says... Let the word of Christ dwell richly in you in all what? In all wisdom, teaching and admonishing each other in psalms. The wisdom psalms are one another psalms. The wisdom psalms are not psalms that you sing to God. They are psalms that we sing to each other to remind each other of these basic things that we all need reminding of. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, sometimes, you know, you get to questioning, is this life as a Christian really worth it? And is it really the right way? And I need to be reminded, Psalm 1, Dan, blessed is that man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly or stand in the way of those sinners or sit in the seat of those scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. Dan, that man shall be like a tree that is planted by the streams of water, which brings forth fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And whatever he does will prosper. You remember that, Dan. The wicked are not so. The wicked shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners In the congregation of the righteous, the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. You remember that, Dan. And I say, thank you, God. I need that reminder. When we think about going off the rails and doing things that we shouldn't do, and maybe, you know, we have doubts in our minds, you know, maybe there isn't a God, and and the wisdom Psalm, Psalm 14, reminds me, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt, their deeds are vile, there are none that does good. And that psalm reminds me of the end of those who take that foolish path and ruin themselves. Uh, Paul quoted some of it in Romans 3.10, there's none righteous, no, not even one. There's none that understandeth, none that seeketh after God. Together they have turned aside, they have all become unprofitable. There are none that doeth kindness, no, not even one. And I say that leads to death, it leads to destruction of lives right now and forever. Dan, you don't need to walk that way. And then God reminds me in Psalm 15 what I'm supposed to be. Lord, who may dwell in your sanctuary? Who may ascend your holy hill? He whose walk is blameless, 
who does what is right, who speaks the truth from the heart, whose tongue utters no slander against his neighbor. He goes on to say he doesn't lend out his money for usury. He, he speaks the truth to his own hurt or swears to his own hurt. You know, this is the kind of man you need to be, Dan. And I say, thank you, Lord. I don't have the answers, but that one gets me back on track. Are you like me? You ever look at other people and all the money they've got and all the wealth they've amassed and how they seem to have it easy in life. And, and when I'm in that mood, Psalm 49 is good for me. It speaks to me. Psalm 49 is set up as a solo of a storyteller. And the storyteller says, all you people out there better listen to me. I've got something I'm going to sing to you. And it needs to sink into your mind because there's a message here. Verse, eight there, verse 18 says, do not be overawed when one becomes rich, when the glory of his house is increased. For when he dies, he will carry nothing away. His glory shall not descend after him. And my Lord Jesus said, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? So I need that wisdom in my life. And there are other people that I counsel with every day that need that same wisdom. I need to be reminded. I don't know about you, but I take walks. I got, I got a mutt and I take my mutt on walks. And I have a beautiful place to take my mutt on walks and it's full of nature and full of birds and animals and deer and all kinds of things. And I look at that and I say, Lord, thank you for that blue bird. It's so beautiful. Thank you for that cardinal. Thank you for that deer that's so amazing that just jumped through the brush. And, and Psalm 19 reaches out to me with nature. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies declare his handiwork. A day unto day they pour forth speech. Night after night they pour forth knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out to the end of the earth. What's he talking about? The heavens are talking to people all over the world. In China, in South America, <clears throat> in Russia, in the Ukraine, everywhere in the world. The heavens and earth are talking and they're saying there is a God. And he is amazing and divine. The invisible things of him since the creation of the world are clearly seen being perceived in the things that are made, even his everlasting power and divinity. And I'm reminded of that again. And that puts my feet on the ground. And it helps me uh, to live the way the Lord wants me to live. And that last verse of Psalm 19, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And that's what I need to be like today. Psalm 119, about God's word and how amazing it is. And it reminds me, God's word blows my mind every single day. I love it so, and it, it just, it changes my life. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. And a light into my path. Oh, how love I thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Thy word have I hidden in my heart. That I might not sin against thee. I need that. That's God's reminder to me. Psalm 23 is a wisdom psalm. This is the most sung or spoken of at funerals psalm in the Bible. <clears throat> but here's what Psalm 23 really reminds us of. If we sing it or read it to each other. Now, let me ask you a question. Is the Lord your shepherd? Now, see, if the Lord is not your shepherd, you've got a big problem. 
you need to make him your shepherd. But let's say that the Lord really is your shepherd. You have taken him to follow him to be your shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Well, there's three conclusions that are drawn from that in that song. Number one, Dan, if the Lord really is your shepherd, then you will not want. Well, how do you know? Because he's making you lie down in those green pastures and he's leading you by those still waters and he's restoring your soul. Just like Jesus said, if you seek first my kingdom and his righteousness, all these things will be added to you. The Lord is my shepherd. Well, Dan, if the Lord is really your shepherd, then you should fear no evil. How come, God? Because you are with me and your rod and your staff, they comfort me and you prepare for me a table in the presence of my enemies. That's why. Okay, God, I needed that reminder. And if the Lord is really your shepherd, is the Lord your shepherd? Yes, Lord, he's my shepherd. Then surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life and you'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Thank you, God, I needed that for my day to get through my day. And when I'm desperate, and I've been that way many times, God is my refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, I will not fear even though the earth gives way. And the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Several times in my life, the earth has given way. What a great psalm. Psalm 133. Oh, how good it is. How good it is for the brothers to dwell together in unity. It's like precious oil that ran down upon the head, down upon Aaron's beard, down upon his robe. It's like the precious dew of Mount Hermon flowing down from Mount Hermon, you know. It's life evermore. How good it is to really have friends and brothers that are of one mind and one heart and one soul. And that psalm reminds me of that. These are speaking to one another psalms. We need them every day. We need to read them. We need to sing them. I wish we'd sing them more. There are other psalms in the book of Psalms which are cries for deliverance. Are you in trouble or have you been in trouble? I mean, are you in a real spot that you flat out do not know what to do? Are you in a jam? Are there people that shouldn't be, but they're against you for some reason and they're trying to destroy you? Are you in a financial crisis through no fault of your own? It's just not fair. Are you in a marriage crisis? Are you going through a divorce that you don't even want? Are your children going through a divorce that you're miserable because of? Is there some kind of family crisis with you is somebody in an addiction that your world has spun out of control and there's nothing you can do you have no power over it what do you do in those occasions but go to the psalm in psalm 3 1 david said oh lord how many are my foes many are rising up against me i felt that way before psalm 22 i think probably psalm 22 was written during the time that absalom had turned against david and taken away his kingdom and he'd been driven away out of Jerusalem and people had been throwing rocks at him and cussing him and he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from me and from the sound of my groaning? I cry out by day, but you do not answer. I cry out by night and you do not respond. Did not our fathers cry out to you and you saved them? You know, I felt those exact feelings. I know those feelings and I feel what David felt and those words become my words to send up to God. Jesus felt that way on the cross and Kyle, I'm not sure exactly where those came from, but I know he felt that desperation 
When he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I think that psalm had been with Jesus for a long time. I think that psalm was part of his emotion, part of how he dealt with things that he had to deal with. And at his darkest hour, what better to come out of him than that psalm? These words help me in these darkest times. Psalm 69, 1. Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I'm sinking deep in the mire. There's no foothold. I've come into the deep waters and the floods are sweeping over me. And I'm weary of crying out. My throat is parched. He's drowning. And, he, and he's lost his purchase. His feet are just going like this and he's drowning. I got one up here, buddy. Sorry. Sorry, I'm hacking. I got stage four asthma, so that's what the problem is. But um, <clears throat> all of these psalms remind me of the, the story in Luke 18 of the widow and the unjust judge, you know. And Jesus spoke this parable to tell us that we should always keep praying and never get up, give up, you know. And so that widow just kept praying. I've prayed and I've prayed. And Lord, I don't feel like you're listening to me. And I just keep on praying. I said, Lord, I'm coming to you all over again. You've heard me many times. Lord, I'm coming back again and again. Jesus said, don't ever give up. Keep on praying even when you're this way. We lack in our brotherhood repertoire of songs in these cries of deliverance. We sing a song at Broadway. I don't know if you guys sing it or not. From the depths of my soul I cry out. From the depths of my soul I cry out. Lord, can you hear me? Have mercy on me. From the depths of my soul I cry out. There is a time to mourn. There is a time to weep. There is a time for sorrow when deep calls to deep. Where are these lament psalms? Where are these cries for deliverance in the songbooks of our churches, which are all fluffy and cotton candy? Let me tell you, people's lives aren't always fluffy and cotton candy. It's not always a pep rally. And people need to worship when they're in their darkest hours. And these are vehicles for them to worship in those times. God wants us to come to him in those times. And we need to have the psalms or the songs to make that happen. There are these other songs which I love. Brother uh, Ken led us in one just a minute ago from Psalm 100. These songs of praise for God's goodness. God has been good to us. Even in our struggles, God is so good to us. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. That psalm is a statement of somebody who intends to come before God. Now, let me tell you this, church. If you come to church on Sunday morning or whenever, and you expect somebody to do something for you to get you to God, you got the wrong idea. If you don't come to church intending in your own mind that you yourself personally are going to enter the gates and you personally are going to go before the throne of God in your own heart, then you're not doing what this psalm says to do. Those people had to make a physical journey and go to the temple and on purpose go through those gates to worship God. And you and I... If we're going to truly worship, we have to make a spiritual journey. And on purpose in your heart, you say, nobody will keep me from coming before my God today. 
in my worship and singing and praying to him and coming before his throne. Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul. Let all that is within me uh, bless his holy name. Do y'all sing that one? Bless the Lord, O my soul. Sing it. Let all that is within me bless his holy name. Comes right out of Psalm 103. There are psalms of longing from people who want to come before the presence of God and they feel the release of prayer in these times of needing great deliverance. Uh, As the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul longs after thee. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? See, this was a captive in Babylon. And he could not go to the temple and do his Levitical worship. And he was longing to be able to go and meet with God. But you can go enter the gates of God any day, any time. And you need to go and meet with God. And more than that, you need to long to go and meet with God and lay your soul before him and be honest with God. These psalms are wonderful. In Psalm 112 through 118, you have the Hallel, the group of psalms that was sung at the end of the Passover. In Matthew 26, 28, 29, whatever the verse is, they sang an hymn and went out into the Mount of Olives. That was the Hallel. And they start and end with Hallelujah. You all, praise Yahweh. You know, praise the Lord. And it's the father sitting around the table, the the grandpa, he's singing the first part and then the family's answering him back all the way through that. You ought to go through that and think about what Jesus sang at the Passover, but we need to sing those hallelujahs. And we need to mean those hallelujahs. And uh, those should be part of our repertoire. Another brother's got the imprecatory psalms. And I don't like no imprecatory psalms. Oops. I don't like them, but honestly, there's not been very many times in my life when I've felt them. I've been angry before. I know a lot of people have problem with intense anger. And, you know, when you read the psalm of this, Psalm 137, this Babylonian captive, and they've gone through the sack of Jerusalem and all the murder and rape and, and the, the killing and everything they did and then carrying people away as slaves and then these very people that carried them away slaves and destroyed their families or asking them to sing songs by the rivers of Babylon. There I sat down and there I wept when I remembered Zion. And there our captors demanded from us songs. But how can I sing the Lord's song in a strange land until I can go back to the temple like he designed it to be, see? But at the end of this, this guy pours out the nastiness that's inside of him. And he says, blessed is he that takes your little ones and smashes them against the rocks. My goodness, we don't even like listen to that. But let me tell you, church, if there's bitterness and anger in your heart, you can cry it out to God. You can tell him every bit of his anger because he already knows it. You know, oh Lord, you have searched me and you have known me. You know my down sitting, you know my uprising. You understand my thoughts from afar off. Lord, uh, you search out my path and my lying down. You're acquainted with all my ways. There's not a word in my tongue, oh Lord, but thou knowest it all together. You know, you've put your hand upon me. You've set me behind and before. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. Where shall I flee from your spirit? Where shall I go from your presence? If I ascend into the heaven, you are there. If I descend into the depths, you are there. 
If I take my wings, go on the wings of the morning and flee into the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall hold me and your right hand shall guide me. God knows me inside and out. He knows the nastiness and anger and bitterness that's inside me and he wants me to pour it out to him. If we can't talk to God about it, who can we talk about with it? If we can't be honest with God, and these psalms help us to be honest with God about our, our feelings. There are repentance psalms. I don't know about you, but I've done a bunch of things I shouldn't have done in my life. How am I supposed to process my own regret over my own sins? How am I supposed to process my coming to the point that I'm ready to really be honest with God? How am I supposed to express my heartfelt repentance? How am I supposed to talk about my new commitment to do the right thing and walk faithfully? How am I supposed to get through that? Well, there are psalms that help me with that. Let's talk about getting honest. Until you get honest with yourself, you can't get honest with God. That's one of the biggest problems we have in prayer is we won't get honest with ourselves and we won't get honest with God. David, against thee and against thee only have I sinned and done that which is evil in my sight. Uh, The psalmist, Psalm 32, David, he's talking about how when he kept silent and he wouldn't confess his sin and he was rebellious, his bones wasted away through his groaning all day long. His guilt was just destroying him. He was miserable. And then he said, I will confess my sin unto thee, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. There needs to be true confession. There needs to be a new attitude of submission. You know, in Psalm 51, David gets to this point. He realizes my whole mind, my whole heart, my whole attitude has been so wrong. And then finally he asks God with honesty. Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, dear Lord. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. And renew a right spirit within me. Now see, that prayer, if it's prayed in honesty, says a whole lot. And then the joy of being forgiven and accepting forgiveness. David starts out Psalm 32, blessed is the man whose iniquities are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. And Paul takes that verse in Romans chapter 4. And he says, what then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, has found? For if Abraham was made righteous by works, he has room to brag, but not toward God. But what does the Bible say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now to him that works, the reward is not credited as of grace, but as of death. But to him that does not work, but believes on him that justifies the ungodly, His faith is credited as righteousness. And then he quotes Psalm 32. Blessed is the man whose iniquities are covered, whose sins are forgiven. And then he says, blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. As we're walking with God in the grace of Christ, the Lord does not impute sin to our account. How good is that? 
That's marvelous grace. Bask in it. Accept it. Believe it. Trust in it. And then these psalms of repentance also encourage us to do one more thing. They encourage us never to have such a rebellious attitude again. There are a few times in my life I look back on myself and I say, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Did you really have that attitude? Did you really do that? Did you really treat that person like that? I'm ashamed of myself, you know. But in the psalm, in Psalm 32, starting about verse 8 and 9, God says to David who has repented, he says, Now, David, I will instruct you and I will teach you in the way that you should go and I will guide you with my eye, but don't be like that horse or that mule that is without understanding and must be controlled with bit and bridle or they will not come to you. Do you hear God saying, Don't ever let me see you have that kind of stubborn rebellious attitude again and that talks to me and that says don't you ever be that person again accept God's grace and really have the attitude that you're supposed to have now all of these psalms are for different places on this road isn't that a beautiful little road that makes me think I'm walking with my hand unfortunately my walk for the last 69 years has not been that beautiful and smooth all the time. It's been pretty rough sometimes. It's gone through dark valleys. It's gone through the valley of the shadow of death. It's gone through many mountains and deserts where I'm thirsting to death. It's gone through all those things. But in every one of those circumstances, there has been my God and there has been the book of Psalms where people just like me in just my circumstances, have cried to God. And those words can be my words and your words. God bless you.